Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm Jordan. I work on the Burks team of Disciple Makers. Uh, how to talk to God about your sin. I realize some of you just kind of were winging it and coming in. Maybe you're just curious about the topic. And I'm glad you're here. For others of you, uh, you really want to know how to do this. Because for you, you're desperate to know, how do I actually go before God after I've sinned like I have? Uh, even this past semester, talking with some students, I realize uh, some of you come in just desperate to know how to do this because you feel so rejected, you feel ashamed, you feel just dripping with guilt. Uh, even one student commented to me that I, they said, I just feel disgusting. How do I even come before God after I've sinned? Um, and I'm, I'm a fellow sinner and sufferer with that. I empathize with you, and I think the gospel speaks a word of joy and truth that doesn't reject us, but rather welcomes us into God's presence. Um, here's the thesis uh, this morning. The ability to turn to God in our sin is a gift that God himself gives us, so we should receive that gift and do it. I'll say it again. The ability to turn to God in our sin is a gift that God himself gives us, and we should receive that gift and do it. Uh, in, in a few minutes, we're going to read some of Psalm 51. And I'm even asked for your participation to help us see what we're talking about in this psalm. So I'll kind of ask you guys just to kind of shout out, maybe even raise a hand, and uh, see some of these elements in Psalm 51. But first, maybe asking the question, what is repentance? What is repentance? Here's maybe a quick analogy first to talk about repentance. Um, uh, maybe uh, think for a minute of, uh, maybe I'll even use myself. I get on the highway and I'm confident uh, I'm heading the right direction. But at some point I realize, oops, I, I've, I've gone the wrong way. Uh, this has happened to me many times. My wife and I we, we, and our kids, we love to go to Maine uh, in the summer for vacation. And there are such rural remote spots in Maine that I'm not going to get a cell signal at all. And uh, using Google Maps has failed to uh, come through. And so I've just got to be confident to just hopefully go in the right way on this road. And at times I've turned to her and I've said, um, <laughs> I think I got the wrong way on the highway uh, maybe even 20 minutes ago, right? So uh, I regret that I did that. I even tell her I regret that I did the autopilot thing. I've got I've to uh, make, a, make a switch here. So you even have to admit out loud to her, I went the wrong way. Um, but that's not enough. Amanda's waiting for the moment where I actually stop the car, turn around, and go the opposite direction, right? Repentance is a lot like this, except adding one component to it. Five things you can write down about what repentance is. Uh, see the wrong that you've done. That's the first thing about what repentance is. Notice the wrong direction. See the wrong that you've done. Uh, secondly, not just see it, but regret. Regret the wrongness of your sin. It's not just a mistake you've made. There's actually wrongness before God. God has been rejected. God has been sinned against. There is wrongness in your sin, and we need to be regretting it. Uh, thirdly, admit your sin. Admit your sin. Uh, this is what the Bible calls confession. Say it out loud. 
even helps to, what helps me in my, my walk with God is to say it out loud even so that I can hear it and it's actually out loud to God. God can hear it even if it's, if it's your thoughts, right? But it helps make it real when you've said it out loud, right? Admit your sin, confess it. Helps even bring aside a staff worker, a pastor, a brother or sister in Christ and describe it for them. Um, but here's, here's the component uh, that is, is added to our analogy of, of driving the wrong way. Go to God through the finished work of Jesus for grace and forgiveness. I'll say it again. Go to God through the finished work of Jesus for grace and forgiveness. If you remember the first sin, when Adam and Eve sinned and they knew they were naked, they knew they were ashamed. You remember what they did? They ran and they hid. And then they clothed themselves with coverings they made for themselves. Remember what God does? God's not glad they're gone. God pursues them and draws them out through questions. He even asks the question, where are you? It's not because God didn't know. God wanted to communicate to them, I'm pursuing you, I'm finding you, I'm the God that runs toward you in your sin. Go to God. And the thing is, our, our sin has alienated us from relationship with God, but that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus lived the perfect life. That's why Jesus died and rose to eliminate the rejection we have before God, to eliminate the alienation of our sin. And that's God pursuing us to clothe us with Christ's righteousness, to actually die in our place for our sin, take the consequences, take the penalty. Jesus took it for you. You no longer live, if you're a Christian, in the penalty consequences, guilt and shame of your sin. Jesus has cleansed you of it through his death and resurrection. And so you might take uh, the analogy of, of two children. One child says, uh, I've sinned. Oh no, I hope my dad doesn't find out. The other child might say, I'm in trouble. I've sinned. I gotta go to my dad. See the difference? One child fears his dad's opinion of him when, he, when he's done wrong. The other child knows this is why I have a dad, to help me when I've done wrong or when I'm in trouble. Friend, because of what Christ has done for us, God has this disposition toward you, that he loves you so much. That's why he sent his son to die in your place, that when you sin and when you feel guilty and ashamed, you can run to God instead of away from God. His disposition is one of welcoming you when you've sinned. We must trust that uh, this is God's disposition toward us. And, and the fifth thing uh, is actually turn around, actually do the right thing, actually be resolved and ask God for help to put on obedience instead of disobedience, to do the opposite of what your sinning has been. If it's lust, to love other people instead. If it's greed, to be generous to other people instead. If it's deceit, to be truthful to other people instead. To actually turn around and do the right thing. Grace from God doesn't make our sins smaller. Rather, grace allows us to confidently cling to what Jesus has already done for us to cleanse us and restore us. I'm going to read for us the first 10 verses of Psalm 51. And then I'll ask just for a couple comments on how we see some of these things we talked about in this psalm. Does that make sense? I'll look for your, for your hands to go up or feel free to shout them out. Psalm 51, the introduction all the way through verse 10. 
To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before you. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Where did you see some of these aspects we've mentioned in this psalm so far? What do you notice? Verse 3, I know my transgressions. First point, you said he sees the wrong. Great. You guys notice that? He sees the wrong he has done. Verse 3, he says, for I know my transgressions. My sin are, is ever right before me. Right? I, I, can, I can notice it. I can see it. I can look at it. He's saying, there it is. Right? Great. What else? Um, in verse 10, it stood out to me that he is entreating God's help for the ability to repent. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. He's dependent on God's grace, not just for his justification, but for his sanctification. Great, great. He's like, I need to turn around, and God, I'm coming to you. Would you help me turn around? He's desperate for God. That's right. One more. Anyone else see any other aspect in this psalm so far we mentioned? Yeah, verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned. I'm partly regretting your sin against God specifically. Great. He's regretting the wrongness of his sin. It's like, I've not just made a mistake. I've not just looked bad. But God, against you, I've sinned. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Here's seven ways. I'm going to give you practical, practical things. Seven ways to talk to God when we've sinned. Here's seven ways. First, take the posture of humility and desperation. Take the posture of humility and desperation knowing that, that he's our only hope. It's so important we come to God, again, not running away from God, not too, uh, feeling too rejected or ashamed to go to God, but we come to God with, with humility and desperation out of our sin. Uh, secondly, the second thing, communicate with God knowing your plea is based on his covenant and his character. I'll say that again. Communicate with God Knowing your plea is based on his covenant and his character. I think we see this in verse 1 of Psalm 51. Do you see it? Have mercy on me, right? He's appealing to God's mercy. And then he says, according to your steadfast love. Remember, you can be forgiven, not because you're good, but because God is good. Not because you deserved it, but because God is merciful. He's appealing to God's character and the covenant and promise God has made with you in Christ. Come to him, and according to that steadfast love, you can receive mercy. So communicate with God, knowing your plea is based on his covenant and his character. Third, here it is, ask for forgiveness boldly. Ask for forgiveness boldly, knowing the answer is yes in Christ. Ask for forgiveness boldly. 
knowing the answer is yes in Christ. Here's what I mean. Uh, we don't just assume forgiveness, even though we've been promised it. We still need to ask, God, would you, would you please forgive me? There's a humility in that. And yet we don't ask wondering if God sometime in that afternoon will make up his mind whether the answer is yes or no. God will answer yes. And so we come before him boldly and ask, God, would you forgive me for my sin, right? It's not an assumptive, presumptive forgiveness. It's not one of wondering what he'll say. The answer is always yes in Christ. And so we ask boldly for forgiveness. The fourth thing, acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge it. Actually tell God and describe to God that you understand the sin that you've done, the wrong that you've done. Acknowledge your sin. Uh, fifth, truthfully confess your sin. Truthfully confess it. And this is going to be twofold. One, actually, maybe it helps to say it out loud to God, explain what you've done to him. Be honest with God. And then, like the great uh, commands are, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Often our sin, not always, but often our sin, is also against God and other people. And so part of this is coming to those others and asking for their forgiveness. Truthfully confessing to them what you've done against them with no ifs, ands, or buts, or blame shifting, but just be honest. And here's the thing, that, that might be scary to you. It might be scarier to confess your sin to others rather than to God. And if that's true, we've lost perspective. <laughs> we've actually sinned mostly against God, secondarily against others. And here's the thing, though. If God has forgiven your sin, covered your sin, and said yes to forgiveness, then how much more eager can we be to go to ask for someone else's forgiveness and not be scared of their opinion. We're forgiven in Christ. And now we can actually go to others and say, would you please forgive me for doing this wrong against you? We can be bold to do that and humble to do that because we've been forgiven by God. It's safe to go do that now, right? God has given us the cleansing and the forgiveness. Uh, point six, ask for cleansing and restoring the joy of your salvation. Ask for cleansing and the restoring of the joy of your salvation. Should we sin that grace may abound? By no means. But many of you have realized the gospel in a deeper way after you've sinned in mighty ways, right? You've gone to God and say, I can't believe I'm this deep of a sinner. And when you realize the grace that actually digs as low as you've gone and lifts you back up again, that this is why Christ hung on that cross for you because of the sin you've just done, the gospel hits you in a new way, in a fresh way, and a deep way. And it deepens your perspective of what God's grace is and how much God actually loves you. That yes, you're that deep of a sinner, and that's how deep God's grace goes. And that restores the joy of your salvation. So some of you are broken over your sin, praise God. And yet the bones that have been broken can rejoice because God can lift you up in ways you never thought he could lift you. And point seven, the last one, ask God to help use the repentance as a way to share the gospel with others. Uh, in verse 13, if you would see it in Psalm 51 there, he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. 
He says, deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. All of a sudden, he's got a lot to say to a lot of people about how good God is and how gracious he is out of this conversation about repentance with God. Some of you, God is going to use you turning to God in your sin as an evangelistic tool to be able to show God's grace to other people. You might decrease, but God might increase in your testimony as you can share about how God has restored you and forgiven you in Christ. He'll use your repentance as a way to share the gospel with others. Um, let's, let's read the whole rest of the psalm, though, before we close. Uh, could someone read for me nice and loud? Uh, verses 11 to the end of the psalm. Could someone do that? Thank you. Go ahead. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Thanks. In that second half of the psalm, where did you guys notice any of the things you've been talking about with repentance or how to talk to God in our sin? What did you see? I guess verse 17, a broken and contrite heart is what God will not despise. Yeah, yeah. He's like, God, if you wanted just sacrifices, I'd give those. But what you'd actually want, the sacrifice you really want, is a contrite heart. That's great. Maddie? Yeah, amazing. Other sinners will repent, <laughs> even as, a, as an outcome of your repentance to God. Yeah, anything else you guys noticed? Yeah, go ahead. Um, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Yeah, yeah, David is really asking God to restore his joy. I, I would encourage you guys to use this psalm in your own repentance and conversation with God. Dave, you had your hand up. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, great. He asks for joy. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, one last place I, I want us to turn before we head out. Uh, Acts 3. If you guys want to, in your Bible or on your phone, turn to Acts 3. <clears throat> 25 and 26. I'll just read this, make a comment, and I'll send you to your next, your next breakout. Acts 3, 25 and 26. <clears throat> You are sons of the prophets of the covenant God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, he's referring back to Genesis, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. I don't know if you caught it, but he's referring back to God saying to Abraham, listen, as many as the stars are in the heavens, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. Did you see what the blessing is? The blessing is that last phrase at the end, turning every one of you from their wickedness. Repentance 
is the gift that blesses the families of the earth. I pray that your families, even as you go home this summer, would be blessed <laughs> by, by your, seeing your repentance. Your own repentance is the gift the nations get. That really, the, the, the gift of repentance is blessing the families of the earth. So, so take God's gift, receive it, do it, give in to the great gift that repentance is. Yeah, go ahead. In verse 19 of Acts chapter 3, I notice it says, like, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. There it so is. So I like how Peter, I, I don't know if he's referring to this necessarily, but Peter is kind of explaining, like, repentance and turning to Christ is how your sins are blotted out. Like David's That's right. asking God to do That's right. Him. Repentance is a gift. Receive it and do it. If we try to cover ourselves and our own sin, our own way, in the end, God will expose us and it won't be pretty. But the promise of the gospel is if we expose our sin to God and tell him all about it, he covers us and we have a covering in Christ. Let me pray. God, thanks for repentance. Thank you for what Christ has done for us. God, I pray we'd be willing and bold and yet humble to come before you in our sin, to run toward you, not away from you. We would receive the gift of forgiveness through repentance. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.